Welcome back to the Did You Know podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Carson. We have an exciting show for you today where we're going to talk about everything proposed executive budget. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Neva Buckus, our education policy analyst, about some education funding. But first, we're going to talk to our executive director, Jan Moeller, who's going to give us kind of a brief synopsis overview of the budget. How are you doing today, Jan? I'm great, Jamie. And what could be more exciting than talking about uh, state spending? When I figured this was the perfect time to start the podcast back up. On Monday, we were four weeks removed from the LSU National Championship game, which put us uh, a month until session. So the hangover of the National Championship had faded. The anxiety of session was kind of creeping up on us. So what a better way to kind of just get into this. And we're not fully in the swing of Mardi Gras. So now if we're ever going to think about the state budget, now is the time. Exactly. Okay, so I was trying to word how I was going to do this. A proposed budget, an executive budget. Um, I guess a proposed budget is kind of how we have to frame this because of what went on with the Revenue Estimate Conference. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So so the, the law says that the governor is supposed to present an executive budget to the legislature based on an updated forecast provided by the Revenue Estimating Conference. Mm-hmm. And that, bill, that, that budget then becomes House Bill 1. Yeah. Um, this is the second year in a row we've managed to fail to execute this very basic maneuver and that goes back to this uh, very odd, very frustrating kind of stupid politics governing the REC. Um, now, but wasn't the point of the REC, REC to take politics out of the, the revenue estimate? Absolutely. Uh, that's exactly why <laughs> we have the REC in the first place. Just to make sure I got that right. Exactly. So, so let's just go back a little bit to, to like ancient history, the Edwin Edwards years. Okay, you know, going way back. State government has to balance its budget, unlike the feds, every mm-hmm. single year. Um, and that means you have to have some kind of estimate of how much the state is expecting to take in during the next fiscal year that you're building the budget for. Mm-hmm. In the bad old days when Edwin Edwards was governor uh, during the oil bust or during the oil boom years, um, that was basically done by the seat of the pants. Uh, the governor, if the governor needed a little more money or the legislature needed more money to make a deal work, they just increased the, uh, the forecast for the price of oil or they kind of came up with it fairly arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. And it was during the Buddy Romer administration in the late 80s when the state had gone through a really wrenching time with the budget, they decided we need to do a professional, a more professional job of estimating revenues. So, yeah. so they came up with the Revenue Estimating Conference. And, and the job of the Revenue Estimating Conference, is, it's one job, to, to predict how much money the state is going to bring in each year. Yeah. And the way they do that is you have two economists. You have the uh, legislative chief economist and the administration's chief economist put out their forecasts. And then one of those forecasts has to be adopted unanimously by the REC, which consists of the governor, um, the uh, uh, or the in this case the uh, commissioner of administration, the uh, speaker of the house, the president of the senate, and an mm-hmm. independent economist. And it has to be unanimous, mm-hmm. and it has to be transparent. And there's actually been studies that show that this is kind of of all the best practices. Uh, this is the way to do it. So it's done this if way like properly. Yes. But in the last couple of years, uh, the leaders of the House and Senate have decided, well, in this year it's the lead House and Senate, last year it was only the House, mm-hmm. have decided that um, the forecast is maybe a little too rosy for their, 
tastes, so they have decided to go back to the days of kind of arbitrarily uh, setting the forecast, not as the economists want, but what they want it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, in essence, they don't want the governor to have as much money to propose in his budget. Keep in mind, the governor doesn't spend money. Only the legislature uh, can appropriate money. That's the only thing that the you know, governor can only suggest. And so that's what the governor's budget always is. But they don't want the governor to be able to suggest as much spending uh, for some reason. So they've decided that the way to, to kind of hamstring the governor is is to tamper with the revenue estimate. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, I vaguely remember last year, kind of the holdup was over teacher pay raises and who would get the credit for that. Is that right? Well, so last year, as this year, um, you know, the, the, the revenue estimating conference met in December. Um, they couldn't come up with an updated forecast. Mm -hmm. They met in January. Well, they met uh, in, in, in December uh, before the new legislators had been sworn in. Yeah. And so they said, you know, look, maybe we ought to let the newly elected members, uh, you know, let the legislature choose their leadership and let them decide. So they pushed it off in December into January. We got a new speaker. We got a new Senate president. And they came in and they said, and they looked at this revenue forecast. They heard from both economists and then... Uh, the Speaker of the House kind of read from a prepared statement that said, well, you know, I suggest we, uh, we shave about $100 million off this forecast by lowering this, the forecast for state sales taxes. Okay. There was absolutely no economic justification for this. Um, there was no, you know, there was no, they didn't say like, hey, we think the economy is going to slow down and so it, it you know, requires us to be more cautious. It was just something that they pulled out of the air. They wanted the budget to be $100 million smaller and, and they didn't want to have to vote on that as a group in the session. So they decided to, uh, to do it with a revenue forecast. Jay Darden, the Commissioner of Administration who represents the governor, uh, wasn't having that. And so um, they actually voted three to one in favor of this, uh, you know, non-forecast forecast. Because it wasn't unanimous, there still is no official revenue forecast in place. And so what the governor did, um, instead of not presenting a budget, he presented a budget. He couldn't call it an executive budget mm -hmm. because it's not based on an official forecast. So he took the forecast that they would have voted on and built a budget based on that. Okay. So we have a budget. It's based on very realistic projections, uh, the best projections, the conservative projections, it's actually the, the administration's economist was a little more conservative than the legislature's economist. So it's built on realistic assumptions, uh, but it's not the executive budget because the actual forecast hasn't been adopted. And so the proposed budget was released uh, 9.30 last Friday, but hours before that, some other news broke that uh, there was a dispute over uh, some unclaimed property with uh, John Schroeder, and it looks like the lawsuit was filed. Well, can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, this is the other thing that's hanging this <laughs> up. Um, this is not probably as big a deal as sure. this, but, but you know, f for the longest time in state government, you know, there's, uh, there's always unclaimed property that comes in every single year. Yep. Uh, somebody forgets about a bank account or an inheritance where they couldn't find something and eventually, when, when, when somebody who has this property and they don't know who it belongs to, it goes to the state. Mm -hmm. And it goes to the state treasurer. Well, for time immemorial in Louisiana, that money gets turned over to the state general fund. 
because uh, and, and for appropriation by the legislature. Mm -hmm. Because, again, the legislature is the only body in Louisiana state government that has the right to appropriate money. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how it happened under John Kennedy. That's how it happened when Mary Landry was state treasurer. That's how it's been done for a long time. Well, this particular treasurer, John Schroeder, decided that he wasn't going to turn that money over. Um, and, and so uh, there's been this dispute between the treasurer's office. He said, yeah, well, I'm the treasurer and the money goes to me, and so I'm not turning it over to you. The administration, the governor, uh, objects, and so they're going to fight this out in court. And what this means is that there's about $25 million a year sort of hanging out there in limbo that can't be appropriated. It's just kind of sitting in an escrow account until they figure out whether John Schroeder gets control of this money or whether it goes to the general fund the way it always has. I'm not a lawyer. Um, I don't even like to play one on the radio, <laughs> so I have no idea how this is going to happen. Uh, or how this is going to get resolved. But but that, you know, so there's basically, when you look at the whole big picture of a $32 billion budget, there's a $100 million dispute over the revenue forecast and another $25 million dispute over unclaimed property. Um, but the rest of it, you know, is those are the things hanging up the budget debate. Okay. So now, since we've kind of gotten all that background information, let's just talk about the proposed budget. Uh, I, $32 billion. Uh, I think there's, what, $534 million left there from last year. Uh, what, you looked at it. You kind of come through it. What did you see? Um, what's going on there? Well, so this is a pretty good starting point. You mm -hmm. know, um, again, the state has to balance its budget every year. So that means, you know, when the economy is good, uh, the budget is usually a little rosier. Uh, when the economy is bad, you're usually getting less revenue in the state and you're mm -hmm. forced to cut Right now, the economy is doing pretty good in Louisiana. It's not as great as it could be, obviously, but we're growing. Our unemployment rate is low. Things are fairly steady, and that's reflected in the budget. So, so right now, using the you know the forecast that it's built on, mm -hmm. um, it would grow the overall budget by about two hundred eighty-five million dollars. Okay. Um, in thirty-two billion dollar budget, that's not a whole lot. It's mm -hmm. a, basically grown by the. Uh, uh, by inflation, more or less, um, but that extra money is is allowing uh, the governor to make uh, recommendations for for new investments in early childhood education, mm -hmm. which is you know we all know is his top priority and the top priority of a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of Republicans in the legislature really believe in there. There's some new money in there for K twelve education, and there's about thirty five million dollars for higher ed. So so most almost all of the excess money, the extra little money coming in. Uh, is being used for education investments, um, healthcare, social services, other programs uh, are being held fairly at a standstill level. Um, there's not a lot happening there. Um, there's a few little cuts and tweaks here and there. There's some mandated increases. You know, the cost of of healthcare and the cost of retirement and and you know the cost of providing tops goes up every year. So there's some things that the, you know you just kind of have to spend a little bit more money on every year, but given the past decade or so when it seemed like we had an annual crisis over yeah. the budget and these big fiscal cliffs and big holes in the budget and cuts and, and all manner of things, this is a fairly normal, sane budget year. If we didn't have this REC issue hanging over it, uh, I hate to say it because we're the budget project, but mm -hmm. it, it's almost a boring budget yeah. uh, because there aren't that many... Yeah, there's nobody who's running around with their hair on fire on the, over this. So one thing that uh, some 
members stated that was left out was was some funding for uh, transportation infrastructure projects. But it looks like some of the money that was left over from last year's budget is going to go to that. And I know um, Paige Cortez was the former uh, chairman of the Senate Transportation Committee, so that's obviously going to be important to him. Is that your understanding? That's how they're going to kind of uh, use that money to, to do some infrastructure projects? Well, again, they have $534 million surplus left over from last year. Mm-hmm. They have you know the normal bonding capacity that they can do in the capital outlay bill. And then there's another thing in the forecast. There's anywhere from, uh, depending on which forecast they end up choosing, you know, because they're going to go back and, and, you know, try again to get a revenue estimate in April. Um, there's there's not only extra money for next year, but there's also anywhere from 170 to $236 million of excess budget authority in this year. Okay. In other words, they passed the budget last year based on a revenue estimate, and it turns out this year we're going to get up to, you know, $200 million more than we thought. Mm-hmm. And that's money that the legislators can appropriate in the supplemental bill this spring. So, so between a $534 million surplus, uh, you know, around $200 million of excess in the supplemental budget, uh, there should be enough money to fund some, some serious transportation needs. Uh, and that's not even counting anything that we get from from Washington. I think, you know, that's one of the areas where legislators are going to be really interested. You know, they're going to be interested in in how we spend these education dollars, and they're always extremely interested in in transportation because every district in this state has transportation needs, has roads that need repair. Um, Obviously, we're sitting here in Baton Rouge. There's probably no bigger issue for for Baton Rouge than transportation. Uh, we, We all... Yeah, as long as I've been here, we've been talking about a bridge across the Mississippi River, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, luck. Anybody who sits on I ten in Baton Rouge, um, a new new bridge. <laughs> we all want uh, transportation infrastructure, so that's going to be a huge uh, topic. And of course, with new legislative leaders, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Great. Well, we're about to bring in Neva Buckus to talk about uh, all the educational aspects of the proposed budget. I want to thank Jan so much for giving us an overview and kind of the background of leading up to this point. Thanks, Jan. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Next, we have Neva Buckus, policy analyst here at LVP, who is our go-to person for K-12 education. How are you doing, Neva? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. Glad that you're here. So first, let's just knock out something about K-12 since we're going to talk about education. Um, first, I think the most important thing that everyone's watching, all eligible students will be covered by TOPS. So we got that. No one worry. <laughs> the, the sky's not falling. Everyone's going to be covered. Uh, besides that, we have $35 million going to public colleges. But what we want to focus on is K-12 education. Uh, there's $285 million um, that's going to be new to the budget, and nearly half of that's going to education. Neva, how does that affect the K-12 financing formula for public schools? Yeah, so um, about 26 million of that number that you just mentioned is going towards the MFP uh, in regards to just the the costs that have gone up, maybe enrollment, um, maybe uh, there are more students taking career and technical education courses, and that's going to increase costs for the MFP. Um, you know, the MFP is... And for is, all of the people who aren't experts like you, the MFP is... The Minimum Foundation Program. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it is uh, our school's funding formula, so basically it's, it's the funding formula that that dictates how we distribute um, state dollars and how the locals also use their dollars uh, to fund public education uh, across the state of Louisiana. Yeah. 
Um, so, so the, the formula has to increase just, you know, based on enrollment, there's a certain amount that needs to be spent per, per pupil, but also this year, uh, another $38.9 million, um, has been, uh, allocated to the formula, um, as an increase to that base per pupil spending. So uh -huh. last year it was, uh, increased to $4,015 per student. So every, the minimum amount that any district could spend per student was $4,015. This year, uh, that's going to bump up to $4,070. Um, it's a 1.375% increase. Um, and, and when you, uh, when you add that all up in total with the amount of students that we have, um, and, and the funding that goes along with them, that's going to total about $38.9 million. Awesome. Yep, and those uh, those dollars basically just hit the school district uh, kind of as a block grant. Mm -hmm. So um, it's going to be spent at the discretion of the district. Um, that might be in, you know, updating classroom supplies. It might go to teacher pay raises if the district chooses to do so, but that's not mandated, um, which has... Um, I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> discretion and if the districts choose to do so because there was no money explicitly for teacher pay raises in this budget, but Commissioner Administration Jane Darden said that it's pretty much up to the school districts whether they want to want to do it, right? Yes. So last year, uh, every teacher in Louisiana got a $1,000 pay increase uh, and every school support staff person got a $500 pay increase. Um, and uh, that was a campaign issue, um, mm -hmm. but it was not included in the budget. Um, like I said, like if, if districts, it, up to their discretion, if some of them want to spend a little bit of that money on pay increases, they're allowed to do that um, with MFP dollars, but it's not, uh, it's not mandated like last year. Because I remember last year uh, when we gave teachers a pay raise, uh, I think the whole goal was to bring them up to the southern regional average. Is that yes, right? Yes, that's correct. But it was almost a moving target because right when we did it, a couple other states increased theirs, so we were still below. Is mm -hmm. that right? That is right. Um, so right now we're still below the southern average. Yep, that la that $1,000 boost last year uh, definitely gave us a little bit of a bump, but I believe Texas and Georgia both increased teacher pay last year okay. um, and maybe Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so uh, those are all of our peer states at the Southern Regional Education uh, Southern Southern Regional Education Board, uh, the SREB, um, kind of evaluates together in comparison how much money these states are spending on schools, you know, state to state, or how much money they're spending on students or teacher pay. Um, and, uh, and and you're absolutely right. Uh, because of the increases in a few of our peer states, uh, it has become a bit of a moving target, um, and and we've probably fallen a little bit behind uh, the initial goal um, since some of those states have, have um, bumped theirs up a bit more than ours uh, and, and there's no teacher pay raise included this year. So talked about uh, K-12. Um, early childhood was um, a big focus for the governor. He's made it a high priority. It looks like there's, what, $25 million um, going towards that? Yep, that's correct. Uh, and that's going to be uh, targeted towards uh, kind of birth to three. So okay. Louisiana um, actually does a really fantastic job of providing quality uh, early child care to four-year-olds okay. through the LA4 program. Um, we have a, a very high percentage of four-year-olds who come from, you know, lower income families that have access to child care because of these programs. Um, it's that zero to three. Sure. That's kind of where we're, where we're lacking. Um, and $25 million is going 
going to be going to to address that gap this year, which is really fantastic um, because you know there there are many people that specialize in this aspect of education oh, yeah. far more than sure. than me. But um, brain development in children that zero to four years is is so critical, and to, and to just get to them at four years old, um, you know you're missing a, a, a huge amount of time where, where you could be providing quality education and quality child care um, in order to uh, spur brain development and set them up for success when they get to kindergarten um, and, and, and set them up for success in, in K-12 and college. You know, it all it all ties in together. So it's, it's, it's great to see some early childhood money going in. So Jan kind of touched on this briefly where for a couple of years there, it's kind of touch and go where there, we had deficits, we were cutting, and now, how did he put it, um, kind of a boring budget where some some increases here but no drastic cuts that we're kind of addressing overall what's kind of your take on um, the educational um, aspect of this budget so it's great to see um, you hear the term like cradle to career a lot sure, yeah. I feel like that's like a hot you know hot term right now yeah. it's a kind of a buzz term um, and it's really fantastic uh, for me to see investments being made in in pre-k to higher ed this year um, you know, I, I obviously wish there were more for certain parts of, of education, um, but we're not perfect. But but you know, if we're if we really want to transform education in this state, it, it, they have to be those investments have to be seamless. You know, as I mentioned before, talking about early childhood education, that is not uh, siloed from K twelve. You know, access mm-hmm. to early childhood impacts a kid when they get to K through twelve, and their education quality. Uh, K through twelve is going to impact their ability to go to and get post secondary credentials, whether that be college or or, or graduate school or a trade school. Um, so investing in, in the whole pipeline is really critical, I think, to transforming uh, the future of the state. I agree. Well, Neva, thank you so much for breaking down. Uh, I know the MFP can be a really complicated topic. I could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> and maybe one day we will, but today is not that day. Nope. But thanks for coming by today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jamie. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Did You Know? I want to thank, again, Jan Moeller and Neva Buckus for stopping by and breaking down the budget for us. Um, As always, subscribe to our daily newsletter, The Daily Don. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Check out our website, www.labudget.org. And obviously, subscribe to the podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. (music) 